Chapter 69. Ibera Nature Reserve. Argentina. Search for the Strange Tale Tyrant. We took the morning bus to the town of Mercedes in Corrientes, and it was a real relief to get out of the town of Concordia, which was a complete dump. At least the area around the bus station was, and that's all we saw. We arrived in Mercedes around midday. The following day we were going to Carlos Pellegrini, the base to explore the Ibera marshes. The bus only left once a day, at midday, which we had missed, so we would have to spend the night. We went to the hostel recommended in the guidebook. The guide tried to charge us 45 pesos for a double room, which is more than we usually spend, so we asked him if he had anything cheaper, and he finally agreed to give us the same room for 36, the youth hostel member's rate. The place was absolutely empty, so I guess he was pleased to have anyone at all. The guy was quite nice, though, as was the room. The next day, the bus came late, and it took longer than I thought to get to Carlos Pellegrini. It was a bumpy ride, and I tried to see what I could from the window. At one point, I saw a huge raptor perched in a tree near the road. I thought it might have been a crowned eagle, but being on a bus, it was impossible to stop and check. There were four other foreigners on the bus. The six of us all got dropped outside the bus owner's friend's hotel in Carlos Pellegrini. He only had one room available for four people and we'd all only just met, so he ended up with no one. The two Irish girls walked on ahead, leaving the four of us. The British couple, of course, wanted to go somewhere a bit nicer, and in the end they stayed at a place for 30 pesos a night. The Irish girls at a place for 19, and us for 10. I'd been reading about Ibera for four or five years. It's a huge marsh area with some really rare bird species. It was really the wrong time of year to come, as most of the little seed eaters I wanted to see had already gone off to Brazil for their winter holidays. Still, I'd hoped there'd be enough birds to make it worthwhile. We started out at 7.30am, which was the earliest we'd left for quite a while. The trails in the reserve started from near the interpretive centre, on the other side of the lake. A park warden asked if we wanted to be guided, to which the answer was, of course, no, gracias. We walked one trail nearby called Sendero de los Monos, the monkey trail, where we found a female howler monkey with a couple of babies just sat above our heads, peering down at us, making funny faces. Another trail was much better for birds, and I picked up a whole load of lifers, including the colourful little golden rumped euphonia. After that, we walked along the road bordered by long grass. There were ditches by the side of the road, and after a while I spotted a smart-looking giant wood rail wading through the water. Further on, and just a few metres away from us, behind some long grass, was a big marsh deer stag. I couldn't believe it hadn't seen us. I found out later that they're very used to people. I crept a little bit closer to get a photo. It was late afternoon and we were very tired after walking all day, so we headed back to the hotel, where I wrote up my bird notes before we had a dinner in the Commodore in front of the hotel. Big meat steaks called churrasco with salad and chips. The big lady who ran the place was really nice and she was a great cook to boot. The meals were a bargain for just six pesos, two dollars each. We went out for a night walk too and I spotted a big nightjar perched on one of the trails. We saw a smaller species of deer called the grey brocket deer and lots of capybara too the largest rodent in the world. They looked almost as if you could ride on their backs. Before dark, we'd seen a wildcat as well, which I got really excited about until he walked up to the park guard and rubbed against his leg. I discovered later that it was a Jeffroy's cat, and the park guards had found it while it was a kitten, and now it's practically a pet, although it did still go out to hunt. I had a long list of rare birds I wanted to see in Ibera, and I hadn't seen any of them yet. Admittedly, it wasn't the best time of year to find birds, as many of them had flown north for the winter, but still, I didn't want to leave empty-handed. I went off in the early morning to walk the trails near the interpretive centre again. It was the third time I'd been along there, but I still managed to see quite a few new birds. 
My girlfriend wanted to sleep a little longer, but didn't want to be left alone in the dingy room all day, so I walked back the three kilometers to pick her up at 10am. The marsh area next to the bridge, which yesterday had been lifeless, was now full of interesting birds, including a Donacobius, really smart-looking distant relative of the wrens, which I wouldn't have seen if I hadn't come back, so I didn't mind walking the extra six kilometers to do so. We walked back over the bridge and along the mud road, on and on for miles. The sun came out and it got hotter still with no sign of the birds I was looking for. I gave up by 3pm and we started back. Just after that I saw a smallish white bird with a long black-tipped streamer tail. I only got a brief look at it, but long enough to see that it was a female strange-tailed tyrant, a rare and very difficult bird to see. I wanted to get a better look so I decided to cross the grassy field to the other side. Next to the road was a big ditch which I hopped across and onto the grass. I soon found out that it wasn't a field but a bog of big clumps of grass surrounded by smelly mud. I got absolutely covered in it as I tried to make my way across hoping not to get bitten by venomous snakes. The bird was long gone by now but I did manage to flush a crake which are notoriously difficult to see. When I got back to the road I was filthy and stinking. On the way back I spotted another good bird, the lesser grass finch which was perched on some tall grass, singing its little heart out. It's similar to the wedge-tailed grass finch, so I had to take out my MD player and check the calls. We were both exhausted by the time we got back, but I was still on a high, having seen at least one rare bird. Minutes after we got back, a torrential downpour started, so another night walk was out of the question, which my legs were quite relieved about. That night we had another delicious meal of milanesas, these kind of breaded meat cutlets. And after we played cards with the youngest two of the seven children of the owner, Cynthia and Leonardo. In the morning we were leaving. We would take the rickety bus back to Mercedes at 4am, but we weren't confident at all about being able to wake up in time, so we slept in shifts. The lovely lady owner even came to check that we were awake at 3.30am. We went out just before 4, but the bus didn't show up for half an hour, and we were starting to get worried that we might have missed it. We arrived about 8.30 in Mercedes, exhausted, and went straight to the terminal cafe for breakfast. The next bus didn't leave until 10.45, so we sat around for a while. Mercedes is in the state of Corrientes, where people seem to take it upon themselves to dress in the most outlandish clothes. Flat berets in bright colours with pom-poms on top, which they didn't so much as wear as balance on top of their heads. Other brave individuals wore flat cowboy-style hats, also balanced on their heads, which they had to tilt to drain them of rainwater. People also wore long leather cowboy boots, big heavy belts and little girly scarves tied around their necks. All very strange and it made me feel like the whole town was having a big outdoor fancy dress party. The next bus took us to Corrientes before getting onto a night bus to Iguazu. 